reading Luke 2, verses 8 through 15. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Evan, if I haven't met you. And I feel like there, we need to have a few welcomes here. Um, So first of all, this is a combined service. So everyone's either here in a alternate time slot or an alternate space. And so welcome to all of you, Ogletown, all together. Um, also, welcome to you family members. I've seen quite a number of you. I've got a few myself that I'm pretty excited about. And, um, and then finally, welcome to our kids. All right, so we've got some kindergarten through fifth grade. So what some of you may not know is that I spent uh, about eight and a half years uh, speaking to you guys. So I'm particularly excited to have you in this service. And I hope you did get to Uh, Parents, if you didn't get one of the little uh, handouts in the back for your kids to fill out, uh, feel free to slip on back there and grab those. And hey, if you're a note taker, uh, that sheet may help you as well. So um, anybody who wants to do that. I do encourage you to uh, get a Bible. Um, We've got some hard copies in the back or open it up on your device because I think it'll just help you. And turn to Luke chapter 2. So if I do my job right this morning, this is going to be a simple message because we are looking at one verse, and that is Luke 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now we have been in a little mini-series called the Songs of Christmas, so we've heard what Mary had to say to us, we've heard what Zechariah had to say to us, and today we're going to hear what the angels have to say to us. But also, if I do my job right, you'll never look at this verse quite the same again. Because I'll be honest with you, this was one of the hardest messages that I have prepared all year. And it's because when you start to look at these words, there are some humongous, massive concepts in there that if you spend some time with them, uh, it'll just make your mind go all over the place. So I trust you'll see what an amazing verse this is as well. So the angel song, it reminds me a little bit of something that I received in the mail in 2020. Now we hear that year and all of us start to twitch just a little bit. But I received this mail and it was a little unusual because it was from uh, Del Dot, okay, Department of Transportation. And they were warning us that there was going to be a major construction happening in an interchange that would affect our household as well. It's the 896-95 interchange. 
Now, apparently, the, the problem with this, and if you were booking down 95 right before that toll and you're trying to get off right there to Middletown or to Newark, all of a sudden there'd be this quarter mile line of traffic where you'd go from 65 to zero. And, and it, was, it was scary. And so they're saying, all right, we're going to help you figure this out. And so we got this mailing, and in this mailing, they told us there's a website, okay? You can still go see it. It's like, it's like 95896improvements.com, okay? And, and they told us, all right, so we have had alternate plans. Higher-ups have been talking about this forever. There are town halls that you can come and ask all of your questions. Go to the website, sign up. There are text message updates and... and um, you know, and what did, I, what did I do with this? Well, I, I carefully noted it on my calendar, and I went and signed up for absolutely everything, and I started checking the website every week. <laughs> no, of course not. I was like, wow, 2020 is going to start in 2023? That is a long way away. And so um, I, I didn't even start to notice it until the uh, trees started falling and the trucks started rolling in. This last week, I went and actually watched one of the videos on uh, 95896 improvements, and here is basically what that video said. It said, basically, praise to your Dell Dot master planners who have seen the trouble on 95896 and are here to rescue you from this dangerous traffic pattern and bring you peace. Now, I really did appreciate the communication, and I did thought it was unusual, and I just kind of went about my normal life, as probably most of you did. The angel's song reminds me of a warning of massive bridge construction. So what we're going to see in this passage is that there is a bridge being built between some very, very uh, separate things. And so in these verses, there are three concepts that that we're going to look at here. The first is God and mankind, okay? So there's this bridge that needs to be built between God and mankind. And uh, the second is a bridge that needs to be built between heaven, that's in the highest, and on earth. So there's a gap between God and mankind, between heaven and earth. And then there is glory to God and peace to men. And between each of these, there is some kind of gap that needs to be bridged, now, kids, if you got your sheet there, you're going to see three bridges where you need to fill in some blanks. The first bridge that we're going to look at are the persons involved. In this verse, we've got two persons or people, God and mankind. Now, mankind is hiding in the phrase, among those. You see, among those with whom he is pleased. It is literally men, but it doesn't just mean males. It means humankind, everybody. So first of all, we're going to look at what kind of person is God? Well, God is the kind of being that angels sing songs to and celebrate. For centuries, people in the church have tried to capture the idea of God. Sometimes we do this in something called catechisms. One popular catechism captures it this way. What is God. God is the creator of everyone and everything. I'm going to leave that definition up there for just a second. Now, we are separated from God by the creator-creature distinction. How many of you kids like to play with Legos? 
All right, adults too. I see you there. Yep, yep, get that hand up. Um, oh, man, I, I love Legos. Or maybe you're kind of the creative type. You guys can put your hands down now. You know, maybe you're kind of the creative type, right? And uh, you're an artist. You know, it's interesting that that thing is different than you, right? You're not the Lego creation that you made. However, you put a little bit of yourself into it. You are not the piece of art that you made, but you put your heart and your soul into it. You see, you are not the same thing, but in some way it reflects you. Now, God is not completely unlike us. There are ways that we reflect some of his attributes. And some of them in that definition you can see. Wisdom, justice, and truth. Now, none of us reflect this personally, you know, perfectly, but there are ways in which we can show wisdom, right? We know how to apply knowledge correctly. We can be just. We can be fair, We can be truthful. These are ways that we reflect the attributes of God. Now, there are other parts of God's character that we cannot reflect perfectly. For instance, his power and perfection. However, we can show authority in our lives, and we can even move toward improvement in other areas of our life, even though we don't have all power and perfection. And then there are other parts of him that do not transfer to us at all. And you see that in the word infinite, in other words, God has no boundaries. So if you, uh, if you follow the web telescope and the crazy pictures that it is sending, that has not yet gone to a place where God is not. He is infinite. He is also eternal. He is not bounded by time. There is never a time where he was not. And he is unchangeable. And that's really important. Because if God was shifting and all his laws were shifting, then we couldn't even do science. He is absolute, so he made it so that we can make sense of things. So some of what we know about God is captured in things like catechisms. We call this doctrine. Some things we know about him is actually shown, like, for instance, in this story. You know, when a figure of state arrives with an entourage... Like, for instance, if a movie celebrity arises and and out of the limousine steps these guys in black suits with sunglasses, it tells you something about the importance of the person. And the bigger the entourage, perhaps more important the person. What would you say about a being that has a multitude of supernatural fire warriors around him? One of the accounts in the Bible tells of how One angel wiped out 185 warriors in the Assyrian army. And so these are fire warriors, and he takes these people, these these elites. It'd be like taking a Navy SEAL and handing him a trumpet and saying, go play in my choir. All right? These fire warriors are in his choir And this is only a fraction of them. The language shows us that the the heavenly host, it just means it's just a little piece of them. Now, how many fire warriors, angels, are in God's host? Well, the best that uh, Revelation can do, it's the final book of of the Bible, and uh, it's a crazy book. It really is. But the best that Revelation can do is this, myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands. Now, you math people, what is a thousand times a thousand? Yeah, there you go, call it out, man. Oh, a thousand times a thousand would be one million. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a lot. And so you say, but a thousand times a thousand is a million, but a thousands and thousands. So we're talking millions here, billions here, a hundred thousand, we don't really know. But the angel response to us is going to tell us something about him. These, these myriads of angels are praising him and singing. They are ecstatic about him and his plans. And what does that tell us about the God that they are praising? Well, it tells us that he is, he is wise. They love his plan. They are amazed at his plan. They think it is amazing, and he is worth praising. When John read this, even their glow, it says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And so these fire warriors are glowing with something, and this is a reflected light. In the same way that the moon is reflected light of the sun. That's kind of how this works. The glory of the Lord is an outshining of him. So there's something about God's presence that shines out. And if you are around him, then you will also shine out. And that is what happens to these angels. They are whiter than white. And appearing in a night sky, it must have been quite the show. His power is on display, not just in their presence and in their number, but also in what they are announcing. God is king. God is king over all of history. And they're announcing that something has come to pass that he has been planning for a long time. And this is called prophecy. Now, there are so many things that had to take place for Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem at that day. And the angels are saying, glory to God who can bring something like this about. Now, there's even just one verse that I can point to that shows just really how amazing this is. Micah 5.2. Now, Micah was a prophet that lived in the 8th century B.C. And he was a prophet in Judah during the time of the Assyrian Empire. And Micah predicts this. But you, O Bethlehem, okay, that's where Jesus was born, Ephrathah, who is too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So this was made 800 years before Mary and Joseph made their trip to Bethlehem. Let me ask you a question. How many countless free choices of men did God have to arrange to make this particular reality come about. Millions of choices. And you know what that is called? That is called authority. And so we see we have a God of incredible wisdom and praiseworthiness and authority and and outshining of glory. So we can just look at this story and we can see what kind of person God is. So that's one side of the equation. So if you're filling that out, on one side is God, but on the other side is mankind. So that's the kind of person God is. What kind of people are we? Well, I'm going to give you a multiple choice, all right? There are a lot of characters. Now, if you've been hanging with us for a little bit, and you've been listening to the the story, and you've been reading even Luke 1 through 3, you're going to get a lot of characters, So let's just talk about a few of these characters that you're going to come across. The first two, Mary and Zechariah, we've we've spoken on them the last couple of weeks. Now, these would be characters that are in God's plan. They're waiting for him. They're humble people. 
They're expectant. They want God to show up. They're real excited. Now, if like Zechariah, maybe they're just a little bit skeptical. But we've got the Mary and Zechariah type people. They're humble, waiting for God. What about the second? The shepherds, B. The shepherds are common people. They aren't majestic like God. No, they smell like sheep and wood smoke. They aren't dictating the course of human history. No, they're just scrapping a living on a hillside in Herod's Judah. They aren't high above all things like God. No, they're, they're beating back wolves and bears and wild dogs and, and the uh, two-legged skunks, thieves. They don't receive the praise of angelic beings. They're, they're tending sheep for a sacrificial system to cover their own sins. These are common people. You know, I think we have a lot in common with these shepherds. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know how glorious your life is. You know, I mean, at the end of the workday, you know, your eyes are strained from a computer screen. Maybe you've got whiteboard marker on your palms. You've got grease under your fingernails. Maybe you smell like baby spit up, right? Kids, maybe you smell like P.E., you know, you took the president's challenge. Do you guys still do the president's challenge? Oh, okay, all right, they do. You still smell like it. Well, you know, a lot of glory is happening in our lives, right? Well, we're pretty common, like them. Like them, we live in a country that is dear to us, but it's got a lot wrong with it. Like them, we're on high alert for things that can hurt us and our families. Huh, pretty common. What about C? the wise men. Now, we're not going to get to spend time with the wise men, but these are people that are not part of God's people. They are outsiders, but they're curious. They're not poor. They're rich, yet they are coming to see the king. Maybe you're kind of an outsider, and you're curious. Ah, and D. Then there's this guy. Well, Herod was the the ruler of that time, and he was a murderous, ruthless guy, and he saw Jesus only as a threat to his power. Now, you're looking at that multiple choice, and you're saying, like, well, I don't, I don't know which one I am. Uh, I, I know I'm not D, though. I'm not, I'm not Herod. But, you know, I, I really believe this. You truly do not understand yourself until you realize that you've got a little bit of Herod in you. You know, take, take what happened in, in Nazi Germany, for instance. Historians tell us that only 1% of the population actively resisted what was going on in Nazi Germany. At the war crime trials of Nuremberg, the most common defense was, I was obeying orders. You know, I think most of us would understand that there are things that no orders can justify. And the fact is that all of us are capable of it. You know, we we think that we would be in that 1%. If I lived in Nazi Germany, I would have been the 1%, like the Bonhoeffer who got hung for, you know, resisting. I would have been in that 1%, but would you have? You know, it really makes you ask the question. Courage in history is so often the exception. I think you really don't know yourself till you realize what you are capable of. And the scripture's picture of what we are capable of is great sin. That we are one set of circumstances away from being on trial at Nuremberg. And so maybe the answer to our multiple uh, choice question here is 
You love this one. Whenever you see it on a test, it's probably it. E, all of the above. You know, there's a little bit of all of those things in us. I've got a quote up here. Blaise Pascal, he was a 17th century mathematician and physicist and philosopher, and he wrote this, that mankind is the glory and the refuse of the universe. Like, I don't like that very much. That's pretty offensive. Well, perhaps until you realize what he is saying. He is saying that we are E, all of the above. We are capable of greatness because we are made in the image of a glorious God. We have reason and creativity and nobility and can exercise great faith, yet we can also be like Herod, destructive and full of sin and in need of salvation. So the angel song alerts us to this massive bridge construction that is happening between this glorious God and mankind. And so as you can see, there is a gap that exists between the person that he is and the people we are. So there's this gap between persons. There's also a gap between places. Places. You see, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So next we'll kind of note the place that this bridge construction is going to take place. The first is in heaven, seen in the phrase in the highest. Where is God? He's in heaven. Now, just like we did with God and mankind, let's, let's think about this for just a second. What kind of place is heaven? Well, it's tough for us to picture life in heaven because it's very unlike what we know. But just by observation in this short passage, we can pick up a few things about it. I bet if you read the verses that were read to you a little bit earlier and you just thought about it for a second, you'd come up with four or five things about heaven with a little thought. For one thing, it's filled with angels, right? We've already talked about this. They're pretty cool. Uh, If you saw one, you wouldn't forget it if they were in their glory. For one thing, kids, they can appear. Isn't that cool? Now, that's a superpower. Like, they were not there, and then they are there. And, and remember how they glow with that thing called glory, that outshining. The whole place of heaven is full of that kind of glory because God's presence is there. We also can see that heaven is in the highest. It is the highest place. Now, that doesn't mean spatially. You know, as I mentioned, the, the web you know, telescope, it is sending back some incredible images, but the Webb telescope has not taken a picture of heaven. You know, it's interesting that in the 200 plus times the Bible speaks about heaven, most of the time it's talking about the sky, but many times it's talking about the highest heavens, or we would say the third heavens, something that is outside our dimension. Heaven is not just high as in outside our reach, it is also above us ethically. Scripture speaks of God speaking to us from heaven. Scripture speaks of God's plans coming down from heaven in a way that earthly rulers cannot stop. In fact, when they try, God laughs at them. We see that in Psalm chapter 2. And so heaven is a place that is high. It is a place where angels in glory are It's also a place where God's will is done perfectly, and the citizens are ecstatic about it. You know, and 
the verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God. You know, already we can begin to see that where we live is very different from heaven, right? I mean, kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, adults in your workplace. Let me ask you this. Is your place of work or school like this? You know, think about, uh, you know, your high school bathroom. You know, it's like maybe somebody needed that soap dispenser. You know, look at the mess that was made. I mean, there are a lot of low things that go on here on earth. And your classmates are not angels. There are low things happening, low language, low blows, backstabbing. All kinds of things are happening. We're down here and our plans go amiss. We're very, very far from heaven. I mean, can you imagine people walking around your, your place of work praising God and giving glory to his name? Or people walking around, you know, University of Delaware praising God and bringing glory to his name? Yeah, we are far, far from heaven. So let's talk, talk about our life outside of heaven. What kind of place is earth? You've got heaven and you've got earth. Well, first of all, let it be said, earth's a wonderful place, isn't it? You know, it is a place of unmatched beauty, a place that is suitable for us to live, a place that has liquid water, suitable for human habitation. You know that, and I know that. You know, if you just go watch a few episodes of Planet Earth, I mean, you will be amazed at the beauty and the wonder of, of creation. Or just go outside and look around. But it's also a mixed place. It's the kind of place that required shepherds to sit up all night fighting back wolves and thieves and darkness. It's the kind of place where guys like Zechariah had to go to a sacrificial system to cover sin because sin had broken fellowship with God and had to be covered over and over again. It's the kind of place where a guy like Herod can trouble a nation. It's the kind of place where the consequences of Adam and Eve's fall is on full display. If you went back and read Genesis 1 through 3, you would see the explanation for why things are the way they are. But let me just summarize. There is strife between men and women. There are power plays going on. There's pain in childbirth. There are thorns and thistles. Work which was a joy, has become toil, and we return to the dust from which we were taken. We have truly been expelled from paradise. Life on earth is suffering. We don't have to ask why we suffer, because life on earth is suffering. It's a place where beautiful work becomes drudgery and toil, a place of strife, and then it is punctuated by death. So we've got the highest heaven, and then we've got this wonderful, mixed, confusing place called earth. And the angel song alerts us that there's this massive bridge construction involving heaven and earth. But as you can see, there is a gap between the two. There's a third set of concepts that reveal the conditions in heaven and on earth. So we've looked at the persons, we've looked at the places. Now let's look at the conditions on heaven and earth. Now, when I speak of conditions, when I think of it, I think about weather, you know? So, 
in light of the different events that are taking place, there are certain conditions in this place, the highest heavens and on earth that we've discussed. And so here's the picture here. While in heaven, praise is happening. Glory is going out to God. But on earth, people are supposed to have peace. I want you to imagine with me, um, you know, the, the news channel, you know, where they, they get the guy on the street, you know, and he's out in the weather sometimes, you know, holding an umbrella or, you know, or like leaning against the wind. And uh, you've got the news anchor in the, you know, the quiet, you know, warm place. And then you've got the guy or the, the woman out on the street there. I kind of want you to imagine an angel weather conversation. All right. So, so the angel news anchor says to uh, the angel on the street, uh, so what are the conditions in, in heaven right now? And, and the angel on the street says, uh, uh, hang on a second, sorry, it's tough to hear um, over all the praise. He said, uh, no, I said, what are the conditions right now? He said, conditions? Oh, yeah, 100% chance of praise in heaven. I can barely hear you. They're going crazy over here. And, and, and what about on earth? You know, what, what are the conditions on earth? What are the conditions there? Uh, well, there's a high probability of peace breaking out. What kind of probability? Uh, I said about 100% probability of peace breaking out among those whom God is pleased. These are the conditions. So in heaven we have glory. These angels alert us to what seems to be going on constantly in heaven. Psalm 148 says, praise him all you angels. So as far as we can tell, praise is a major occupation for angels in heaven. And we get a very rare glimpse of what angels are doing in heaven in Isaiah chapter 6, where it says certain high angels are constantly calling back to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It appears that the magnitude of what is happening in Luke 2 is so big that we get a rare glimpse of what is happening in heaven all the time. And it's quite the glimpse, a multitude praising God and singing glory to God in the highest. So what are the conditions in heaven? Praise, praise all the time. Now, connected to this praise is the condition that the angels wish for the people on earth, and that is peace. So while heaven offers praise, people are to have peace. So let's talk about peace for a second. The kind of peace that we're talking about here is the type of peace that the Hebrews would call shalom. Shalom is not just an absence of conflict. It is a harmonious relationship that can exist between God and humans. And the idea of shalom is that it won't happen until the Messiah comes and brings peace across the board. Now, Zechariah, when he was singing his song, he was talking about absence of peace. He said, let us have freedom from our enemies so we can serve God in peace. And so peace is something that's only going to happen when the Messiah comes and sets it about. The prophet Isaiah, who's another prophet that wrote 800 years earlier, wrote of a time when the Messiah comes, and here's what's going to be true. Every boot of the warrior, every boot that it tramped into battle is going to be used as firewood. Every garment, every piece of battle gear that has been dipped in blood is going to be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, why would we be burning all the battle implements? 
Well, because it was no longer needed. And in that time, the Messiah, this is from Micah again, will stand and lead his people, and they will dwell secure. Jesus Christ himself told us a little bit about what peace would look like when he healed a woman who had a malady that kept her from worship and society. I'll put this on the screen. Here's what Jesus said. Daughter, daughter, someone whom I have a family relationship with, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus was already talking about that kind of shalom, that kind of peace. And as you can see, it's a well-rounded kind of peace. It's not just absence from conflict. It's not this. It means that you become a part of a family. You are cared for. You are healed from your disease. You are rightly related to God. I mean, everything, your well-being is perfect. And that is the kind of peace that Jesus will bring in. That is shalom. So as we noted the other day, some of the political aspects of this are delayed. But the effects of peace right relationship with God, right relationship with others are available right now to those whom whom God is pleased. So basically, peace is the same thing as salvation. People are to have peace. Now, I do have to ask this question, does everybody have peace? I want you to note that it says, among those with whom God is pleased. Now, if those are the people who get peace, you've got to realize that that it's pretty important that we know who are the people with whom God is pleased. Other writings call this people of his good pleasure. This is just a way of saying the people that God has chosen or those on whom his favor rests. You know, when God's favor rests on you, it means that you are chosen and that you are safe and that you are marked out for this peace. Who are these fortunate people? Mary told us in her song, in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So Mary, who has God's pleasure and favor? Those who fear him from generation to generation. She agrees with a psalmist that writes this, the Lord takes pleasure, okay, people of his pleasure, in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. So the people who have God's pleasure, the people in whom God is pleased are those who fear him and hope in his love. Now, if you've, you've been around Bible teaching very much, you know this isn't kind of like the fear of the monster that's under the bed. This is, this is a reverential awe that we have before the creator of the universe. This is the awe that a creature has for their creator, one who is holy and full of glory. So do you want to know that you're a person of God's pleasure, the person with whom he is pleased. Fear him and hope in his love. And if that is you, he will not cast you out. So the angel song alerts us that this bridge is happening between the praise that's happening in heaven and the people of God's pleasure receiving peace. So let me just ask you this. So what? So what? Glory to God in the highest and, and, you know, that and is very, very important. You know, there's a lot of good news in that simple word, and. It's not glory to God in the highest, but, you know, it's not that 
God gets this, this is going to happen, but this is what happens to us. No, the things of God aren't impassable. It's not like heaven is steel and none of these blessings trickle down. We get these blessings. They leak. Now it is heaven and earth. It is God and mankind. It is God's praise and our peace. I want to add just one more thing to our picture here. Verses 10 and 11. This is the news that the angels are going crazy over. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, read those next two words for me, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the good news. The link between God and mankind, the link between heaven and earth, the link between the praise that God has and our peace is a person, a Savior, Jesus. And kids, if you're filling it out, you can take those blocks and you can write J-E-S-U-S. A Savior is one who rescues someone or something from danger. And I'll tell you this, the gap that exists between God and man, between heaven and earth, is a dangerous one. Another 8th century prophet in the kingdom of Judah, Isaiah, expressed the danger this way. But your iniquities have made a separation, a gap between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear And folks, this is the danger. This is what it means to be men and women outside of paradise, away from God, separate from our creator. Our sin, our iniquities have separated us. We can't see his face. This is a great danger. And the one who bridged those gaps, the bridge, is that Savior, Jesus. How does he do that? You know, you could spend a lifetime getting to know Jesus and learning all the ways that he bridges heaven and earth for us. I want just to note a few of them. Between God and man, here's a catechism again. What kind of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God, okay, to bridge the gap? One who is truly human and also God. There is a type of savior that is needed, and he needed to be a God-man, so he could bring us to God. Isaiah, that prophet, wrote again, for unto us a child is born, this is familiar to many of you, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Everlasting, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And so who is this child? He is all of those things. And he's going to bring us to peace. What kind of teacher can show us the way to heaven, to bridge that gap between heaven and earth? One who has come from heaven. The Apostle John recounts a story where a major teacher of Israel named Nicodemus meets with the light of the world by night, Jesus. And they have a fascinating exchange. And at one point, Jesus scolds the teacher and he says these words. He says, I have told you earthly things, and you don't believe me. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
And then this phrase, listen to the gap and listen to the bridge. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying, listen, I've got information that you can get from nowhere else because I have been there and I am telling you about it. He is the gap. He is the bridge to the gap of heaven and earth. Then finally, this bridge between God's praise and our peace. Zechariah, who sang one of the earlier songs we looked at, noted this. Because of God's tender mercy, the sunrise It's a picture of Jesus, the sunrise, shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, that's mankind, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so that one who lives in the praise and the glory of heaven comes to show us peace. So what should we do on this Christmas Eve with this information? I can tell you this, don't be like me in the uh, I-95 warnings, you know, shrug it off and say, wow, I I hope it doesn't affect me too much. No matter how many signs they put out, emails they sent, you know, text messages, forums, you know, mailers, at some point, that kind of attitude that just says, man, I just, uh, okay, I'm not sure what to do with this information, is going to leave you sitting in a construction zone wondering what happened, wishing you'd listened. Maybe we should be more like the shepherds. In the story, as you read with the shepherds, there's just a few things that show how we should respond to this bridge. All right? Think about these for just a second. Number one, take notice. Take notice. You know, the angel choirs came, and they could not not see it. You know, they, they were in fear and awe. You know, I'm no angel, obviously, And there are no choirs happening right here. But God is speaking to you through his word. Through this account and this witness of his word. So take notice. Number two, be filled with fear. You know, it is a fearful thing to be stuck on the other side of the divide. You need heavenly assurance. The angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. You need to take a moment to say like, wow, Am I really possibly like a Herod? Am I really on the other side of God? Am I a creature who has been separated from my creator? Am I so far from God? That should cause you to fear, but then hear his words. Fear not. The shepherds said to one another, they consulted with each other. You know, you may be here today and you need to talk to somebody. I would say your next step would be ask the questions. I mean, I'll be hanging out afterwards. Come talk with me then. Talk to really anybody around you. Just start to ask the questions. If you've got very real questions, ask somebody. And also, ask God. Talk to him. Verse 15, they said, let us go over and see this thing. Act. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Talk to God about this new reality. If, he is, if he's just kind of like knocking on your, your door today and saying like, wow, I wonder if I need to take this account seriously. Act. Then finally, center your life on it. Verse 20 said that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. Okay, so what's interesting about that is they went back to their life. But guess what they're doing now? They're doing the very thing the angels are doing. 
<laughs> they're glorifying and praising God. They went back to their reality, but they had a new center. So take notice, fear, think, and act, and then make a new center of your life. And in that way, you will fear God and hope in his love. Peace can be yours this season, maybe even on this Christmas Eve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words from the angel choir. Thank you that you've spoken peace to our heart. We look forward to your bringing all things to the close. And we look forward to what you're going to do in hearts even this Christmas. Father, I ask that you would bring peace to each one here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.